Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. Good to be with you. It is always good to be with you. It's Friday, which means we have to miss each other till Monday. I don't like that, but I'm thrilled to be with you. And yesterday was July 4th, and we had a program that I had uh, taped for you the night before, so we wouldn't miss a day or miss going through this wonderful document, um, uh, declaration of the truths relating to some of the most common errors in the life of the church of our time. I am so grateful to these four princes of the church, uh, Cardinal Berg, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, and, um, and two others who I believe from Kakistan. Let me see Cardinal Yanis Pujat and, uh, Jan Powell Langa, Archbishop, Bishop Emeritus of Karaganda. Um, they are, uh, I, I'm not sure that the three bishops other than Cardinal Burke are from the, um, diocese of, uh, uh, St. Mary in Astana, Kakistan, Far East Russia. I might, might be wrong about one of them, uh, but they are magnificent. And, uh, I, for one, am so, so grateful they have done, uh, not just a magnificent work for us, but these are the hearts of true shepherds who care about souls, which is, of course, what we hope every bishop would do. Every priest would care about souls, not their rank in the church, not their knowledge or friendliness with the hierarchy, uh, not their popularity, only the faith and only the souls in their charge to bring to heaven. That's their vocation. That is their vocation. Um, I spoke with someone uh, yesterday whose uh, the priests in their diocese were changed, uh, which is pretty normal about this time of year. And um, the the previous priest of this particular parish was, uh, by by everyone's comments, magnificent. And uh, did wonderful things. It's a, a very, it's a Novus Ordo parish with good teaching, with good groups, study groups, family groups, all of that. Really lovely. And now the new pastor has come in in just a short time, I would say a month, I don't know how short, um, the place is falling apart. And and it's just the, the I, I asked I asked her why what what's happening, and basically she said he's just letting it go. He's there; it's his assignment. He's just letting it go, not interested in building it up. His energy is gone. He's a young, I, I think he's maybe in his fifties. He's not old. Um, he's just letting it go. He's there. That's his assignment, and the zeal and the zeal for souls. And the the um, zeal for the protection of the sheep and their growing in truth uh, and the grace of God is just not present. It's such an awful, 
awful thing to hear. An awful thing to hear. If you're a priest and you have lost your first love, as our Lord spoke in the book of um, in the book of Revelation, if you have lost your first love, if you are tired, if you are worn out, I beg you to take a sabbatical, ask the bishop for uh, some form of um, at least a month away, a retreat. You must go back to your first love and your first zeal as if our Lord will come during your assignment. You're going to be responsible for the life of that parish and the souls of those sheep. You're just letting them go. Apparently, the previous pastor who was there for I don't know how long, um, a full term, um, really gave his life to that parish. And the new pastor is just kind of letting it coast, fall apart, zero. And um, the people are discouraged. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's an awful situation to think that the sheep could have been raised in a good way, and now you just let them go. Just let them wander, let them go. It's not important anymore. You're not going to encourage them anymore. You're not going to teach them anymore. You're not going to put much effort into it. Um, you shouldn't be a priest. You should not be a priest if that's the case. We have a, a risk. You know, if, if a religious loses her first love, I've been with religious. I've been with, excuse me for something in my eye. I've been with religious orders, and I've been with religious who have also lost their first love, been there, done that. I took my sisters uh, to France for a time uh, and other places, Ireland, to see beautiful religious so they have examples to follow. And what I didn't know is they would come across half half the order that is older now and really is not interested in obedience, not interested in living the rule. Been there, done that, they're tired, they're just living out their days. It's a tragic, tragic, tragic thing. Tragic. Um, so I beg you, priests and others, uh Go back to your first love. Live with those sheep. Guide them. Teach them. Instruct them. Admonish them. As if it were your first assignment and you're going to be judged on how you handle that parish and they will be in heaven based on your leadership. So I I beg you to do that. Um I don't remember what got me into that. Oh, we were talking about July 4th yesterday. Uh, and, and this situation occurred yesterday. So I'm going to go on. Oh, and I was saying how much I am grateful for these prelates. And we think when a priest does something good or counters something evil, he gets an award. It's all over the news. It shouldn't be. It should be normal. It should be normal. Priests that are silent are the ones that should be we should be focusing on because they're not living their priesthood. They're not living their calling as bishops, as successors of the apostles. You can't do that. Can you imagine one successor of the apostle, even one being silent? Hold on. Here it is. Just one successor being silent? No way. They're, they're admonished. Their, their call is to preach the gospel to every creature and, and to combat error. 
They can't be silent. Neither can our bishops today, not for their own preservation, not for their own idea of staying out of all the turmoil in order to just have a good, peaceful parish and raise their sheep. No, you are bishops of the church. You are bishops of the church. You need to protect the sheep. You need to protect the sheep even through your own priests. You need to make sure that they're healthy and that they're teaching. A a good bishop would not allow the priest I just spoke about, who's just letting the parish go. He would not allow that to happen. But he is. He may not know it, but it's happening. And I, I, I'm not going to name people or diocese or anything else, um, because it's a message for everyone. So now, I'm going to go back to the Declaration of the Truths relating to some of the most common errors in the life of the Church the time. Not all the errors, but the most common ones, and they've named 40 of them. I'm going to begin with number 16. I think that's where I left off. It says, and again, these are very brief. They're not long in teaching. They're not apologetic, meaning they don't give the explanation of them. They just state the truth, and these bishops have made up nothing. Nothing is their opinion. With everything they state, they quote its origin from uh, scripture, from church documents, from popes. Number 16 says, A woman who has conceived a child within her womb is forbidden by natural and divine law to kill this human life within her, by herself or by others, whether directly or indirectly. Okay, forbidden. Women, daughters, If you have a child in your womb, regardless of how many children you have now, or whether you're a 15-year-old or 11-year-old single girl, whether your family will be embarrassed by it, no matter whether they tell you to have an abortion or not, if you have an abortion, you are committing murder. You are committing murder. And you're not allowed to commit murder, not by the natural law, not by the divine law. What is the natural law? It's the law of God in your heart. You're not allowed to commit murder. And you say, but my parents won't let me not have an abortion. Run away from home. Pack your bags and leave. You will not be forced on that abortion table by anyone. And if they do force you, if they handcuff you, if they hold you down, you need to call the police. You need to call the police, and if they take that child from you forcibly, they have committed murder, and you need to call the police and have them arrested, even if they're your own parents. 17. Procedures which cause contraception to happen outside of the womb are morally unacceptable since they separate procreation from the fully Uh, from the fully human context of the conjugal act. Now, books have been written on that one line. That's written by St. Pope John Paul II in his encyclical Evangelium Vitae, The Gospel of Life. That one sentence, books have been, volumes have been written on it. I'll repeat it. Procedures which cause conception to happen 
outside of the womb are morally unacceptable since they and you say what's one what's morally unacceptable it means it's forbidden it means it's forbidden since they separate procreation from the fully human context of the conjugal act now we're not talking about abortion at this point we're talking about conception the marital act intimacy between a man and a woman is only for the marriage bed and for nothing else only for the marriage bed and for nothing else if you are intimate outside of marriage whoever you are um, then you are committing a grave and mortal sin and you are separating yourself from God and you are on the way to hell unless you run to a Catholic priest and he can absolve you. And there might be some conditions for you to be absolved. You might need to say that you're not going to commit that again. You're not going to continue to live with that man or that woman. Because if you go to confession and you're not repentant, repentant means to make a 180-degree turn. If you're not, it's, it's a joke. But, but conception is another matter. Again, intimate acts between a man and a woman are only for the marriage bed, not for um, be, to express your love for someone because that's expressing your absolute hate for them. You, don't, you say you love them, but you don't care that you've put them on the road to hell. So no. Um, and conception within marriage? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, uh, conception within marriage, yes, I'm sorry, contraceptive, I mean, con- contraception. Uh, procedures, um, procedures, it says, which cause conception to happen outside of the womb, all right? Oh, I'm, I'm talking about something else now. I'm sorry. Procedures which cause conception to happen outside the womb are morally unacceptable because they separate procreation from the fully human context of the conjugal act. What are procedures which cause conception to happen outside of the womb? Surrogate motherhood, um, um, uh, that's, that's really not the same. Uh, in vitro fertilization, um, any, anything where a child is procreated in one womb and um, and then put into the mother's womb, the woman that wants to have a child. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Say, well, I, my husband and I can't get pregnant. What's wrong with um, his donating his sperm or her, uh, uh, putting... Um, I've, I don't. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to say it. I don't know the right wording. I, I don't understand the full procedure. What's wrong with our getting pregnant outside of the the marital act? What's wrong with a child being inserted into my womb? What's wrong with that? Um, because it's it's human debauchery and depravity and sin. The only legitimate way for a child to be conceived, the only legitimate way for a child to be conceived is through the procreation, the conception 
within marriage, of a man and woman within a right marriage. There's no other way. With the marital bed of a true marriage, which can only be between a man and woman, there's no other way. And you say, but but my husband can't uh, do this, or uh, I'm not able to conceive, or uh, something's wrong that we cannot conceive a child. We've been trying for 10 years. We've gotten all kinds of help, and we can't. What's wrong with having a baby another way? What's wrong is that you are turning your backs on God. You are separating yourselves from God. You are going to be on your way to hell. You cannot do that. You can. Well, what are we supposed to do? You can adopt a child. There are millions of babies that will never have homes, that will be brought up in institutions or killed along the way. Many, many ch- children that are waiting to be a- adopted from birth up to all ages. Men, but we didn't really want to. We want our own. Well, if you want your will above God's, then you're in trouble. Of course you want your own. And there are newborns that you can make your own. Whatever child God gives you is not yours, it's his. And if he would have you adopt a child, it's his child that he's saying, I have not enabled you to give birth. Can God not heal a body? Can he not do what he wants? Of course he can. But he could say to you, I have not chosen to heal you of that. I have a child who needs you. Will you refuse me? I have a child who has no parents. I have a child that was uh, from a botched abortion and lived and needs a home. Would you refuse me? You see? Trust God, beloved. Does it mean it's not disappointing or painful to you? No, we're human. We understand this. We understand loss. So does God. More than any of us ever will. Trust God, beloved. Number 17. Well, no, I said that. Uh, Procedures which cause conception outside the body. They're immoral. They must not happen. Number 18. No human being may ever be morally justified to kill himself or to cause himself to be put to death by others, even if the intention is to escape suffering. Of course, they're talking about euthanasia. No human being may ever be morally justified to kill himself or to cause himself to be put to death by others, even if the intention is to escape suffering. Euthanasia, which is the name of that, euthanasia is a grave violation of the law of God since it is the deliberate and morally unacceptable killing of a human person. No less grave than abortion. No less grave than abortion. There are people who are Catholics who would never support abortion, but they support euthanasia. They'll have their own loved ones put to sleep, they say, put to sleep, murdered, because they want to save medical bills or they want to put their loved one out of suffering, the very suffering that may take them to heaven. It's a totally selfish, immoral act. This doctrine, it goes on to say, is based upon the natural law and upon the written word of God, is transmitted by the church's tradition and taught by the ordinary and universal magisterium. 
euthanasia is as evil a act an act an e- as evil an act as is abortion as is contraception contraception uh, not conception but contraception most contraceptions are abortifacients and they kill many women if you're on the pill you probably have killed many children because it doesn't stop um, conception it stops the egg from being planted in the womb and the baby dies I know I'm not saying that right technically forgive me for all that um, if you ever have put anyone to death, if you have respected someone's wishes to be put to death, a parent, an, uh, a wife, a child, a husband, a friend, who says, if you love me, you will give me this overdose. You will put me to sleep. I won't feel it. I won't suffer. You'll just put me to sleep. You don't love me if you let me suffer. I'm choosing this. I tell you what, if you give in to that, you are murdering that person. You are guilty for murder before God. And you say to that person, I do love you, but I will not murder you. I will not. You're not murdering me. You're just putting me to sleep. And I'm asking you, you won't be accountable. I will. Say, no, no, I will be. Whoever does that act, if I ask the doctors to do it, I'm accountable. If the doctors do it, they have committed murder directly. And they are accountable. Absolutely. We're all accountable. It's murder. And it may not be done for any reason whatsoever. You may not deprive someone of food and water. You may not. You may not. Whether or not they're going to be a vegetable, whether or not the doctor tells you that, you may not deprive them of food and water. If they are not able to take that, it's one thing. But you may not deprive them of food and water. And they can certainly have water through an IV and food. Number 19, marriage. I know I'm doing a poor job of this. I'm so sorry. I didn't prepare to speak on these topics. And I've read more and I have more, but it's it's not coming to mind on the spot. And I don't intend a great exposition of each of these points. And I've not read them. Uh, we're reading them together now as we speak. Number 19, marriage is by divine ordinance and natural law an indissoluble union of one man and one woman. By their very nature, the institution of matrimony itself and conjugal love are ordained for the procreation and education of children and find in them their ultimate crown. Marriage alone, beloved, marriage alone is ordained for the procreation of children one, two men could never be married, no matter what laws are passed, no matter what ceremony you went through, no matter how you live, you're not married. It's not a marriage. Marriage is for procreation of children to build the kingdom. To women, you're not married. 
you could say that's my opinion. Well, it's it's the teaching of God. If you don't believe in God, I'm, I, I'm not going to convince you at this moment for sure. But there's only one true marriage is between a man and a woman. And... Um, and if you are truly married, what God has joined, if you are truly married, what God has joined, no man can put asunder. And if you have been married truly in the Catholic Church, beloved, and you are divorced and remarried outside the Church, number one, you're living in mortal sin, you're living in adultery, and you must not receive communion. And if you were married, it was a true marriage in the Catholic Church, um, I, I question most annulments today. But you may not get divorced and remarried, no matter what, unless you're a widow or a widower. If, you're, if your spouse has died, you're free to marry, but not under any other circumstances. Are you free to marry? You must not date. People are dating, they're becoming intimate, and then they say, well, if we get married, honey, we have to get an annulment. No, that's backwards. You're living in mortal sin and an adultery first you get an annulment and if the church grants you an annulment then you're free to date you're not even free to date until you know you're not married which means your marriage wasn't broken up it means you were never truly married to begin with that your marriage to begin with never took place it was null it was void you were never truly married as a sacrament Oh, dear beloved, so much to learn of our faith, but let's not shrink from learning it. We will be in heaven when we learn it and live it, and we will honor the God who loved us and gave himself for us that we could live with him eternally. There's our break music, beloved. Call in with anything on your heart, toll free, 1-877-511-5483. Now, more than ever, it is critical that the truths of the gospel be proclaimed so that hearts and lives may be converted. Catholic Radio is one of the best ways to share the good news of Jesus Christ. By having your donation to the Station of the Cross doubled, you'll be using one of the quickest and simplest ways to make the most of your donation and strengthen Catholic Radio. Ask your employer today if your charitable gift to the Station of the Cross can be matched. This could double your donation helping us spread the gospel message to even more people. The Station of the Cross is a lay apostolate and a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Thank you for your support of Catholic Radio, renewing our world through evangelization. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord, from every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord, from every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy Thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved I'm thrilled to be with you on Mother Miriam Live. It's still so new, and it's just a further way for us to connect and be close and share our faith and encourage one another to love and good works, and I'm absolutely thrilled for it. Now, we're going to go to your calls um, and uh, texts and emails, and uh, I'll take, and again, I think the announcer uh, gave the number out, but I... I um, faded out on that one uh, when we uh, went into the break. So let me give it out again. To call or text toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. We had a call from John yesterday, and he left a message off the line. John from Rochester, and he says, Since the Jews are still waiting for the coming of Messiah, is there a feast day? that they celebrate this belief. Well, they celebrate, Orthodox Jews celebrate the feast day just about every Sabbath, I think. But um, the the major feast day is the Passover, um, when um, those Jews who still rightly celebrate it always put a chair for Elijah, who is going to precede the Messiah. They keep their door open for Elijah and for the Messiah to come. And I don't know how far apart and all of that, but we did that all our young lives Every single Passover, we waited for Messiah to come, and we knew he would be the only hope the world has. Well, I didn't know that during my Jewish life, younger life, that he did come. But he did come, beloved, and he is the only hope the world has. There is no other hope. He will come a second time. And for the Jews, they say, well, that'll be our first time. Oh, no, it won't. The first time he came for you. He came... um, through the Jews, he came to his own. Through the Jews, for the Jews. Um, and it was through the Jews that God gave the Savior of the world, the Messiah. And so it was the first time he came for you, and he'll come. He came the first time to put away sin. He'll come the second time to set up his kingdom. And when he comes the second time, the prophet Zechariah says, they, the Jewish people, will look on him whom they have pierced and mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. It is it is heartbreaking to even speak that verse. Beloved, I want to encourage you, if you're Jewish, uh, the most Jewish thing you could do is to believe in the Messiah and in the church he established. The word Christ is the Messiah translated from the Hebrew through the Greek to English. Mashiach in the Hebrew, Messiah in the transliteration in the English, Christos in the Greek of our Lord's day and into Christ of our day. It's the same word. It's not his name. It's his title. 
It means the Redeemer, the Anointed One. Um, there is no other name under heaven by which which we must be saved. Jesus means salvation. Jesus is the Old Testament Joshua. Um, and it means God is salvation. So in the Hebrew, Yeshua, and then Joshua, and then Jesus, and then Jesus. So it's it's... He is Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, Ha, the Mashiach, and he's your Messiah. If you're Jewish, don't wait till he comes back, because it seems like he's coming fairly soon. Don't wait. Give your life to him now. And if you'd like some help in that and apologetic studies for it and all that, go to HebrewCatholic.net, one word. HebrewCatholic.net. My own brother heads that association, David Moss. HebrewCatholic.net. Go to SalvationIsFromTheJews.com. Roy Shoman, Orthodox Jew who became Catholic, believing again it's not the rejection of Judaism, but it's full measure. Um, SalvationIsFromTheJews.com. Those are the words of our Lord in John chapter 4. And, um, and Roy is the author of the book, Salvation is of the Jews, uh, and also of the book, Honey from the Rock. Honey from the Rock, that's the ending of Psalm 81, Honey from the Rock. Uh, Sixteen Jews who entered the church, um, believing again, it's not the rejection, but the fulfillment of Judaism. Um, and 18th, 19th, 20th century Jews, I, my story is one of them, so is my brother's, so is Roy's, and so is... Um, uh, one very great uh, Jewish convert, Alphonse Radisbon, uh, in the 1800s. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. So, And also you can go to secondexodus.com, one word, secondexodus.com, by Martin Barrick. Martin is also a, a Jewish uh, convent, a convert to the faith or entrant, Jewish entrance, as Roy Shulman would say, into the Catholic faith. And Second Exodus is a... And it, uh, what do I call it? An online incredible encyclopedia of information. You can find just about anything on secondexodus.net, Marty Barrick. Um, those are three fantastic sites. There are others, but those are the three main ones that I'd recommend to you. So, okay, we're going to go on to an email um, from Sam in San Diego. He says, Hello, Mother. Uh, I am currently in a relationship of six months with a beautiful woman, and we have been trying to commit our relationship to God to the best of our ability. So far, we have agreed to not kiss on the lips until, if God wills it, we get married. Lately, she wonders if it is hindering our ability to become closer to one another and to become emotionally intimate with one another. I have expressed to her that I want to persevere in this discipline, but I think it is still on her mind. Do you have any advice on intimacy in dating that would help us to remain pure? Or any advice on kissing specifically? Thanks for taking the time in Domino, in our Lord. Well, I do. Um... Your your lovely uh, woman who you are dating um, needs to, I want to say, mature in some ways. 
um, most women in the past would give anything for a man who has the maturity, the proper love of her well-being, uh, the self-control, the virtue to not have to kiss her, to not have to handle her or all of that. Most women. But now there are women who are needy and they they want the hugs, they want the kisses, they want to become closer emotionally, um, become emotionally intimate with one another. That is, that is not good. Not before marriage. You're looking for the wrong development of a couple who should be married. I'll continue this right after the break. Um, call in, beloved, with anything on your heart, one 511 5483 or email at mother at the dot com. We'll be right back. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. James the Greater. O glorious St. James, because of your fervor and generosity, Jesus chose you to witness his glory on the mount and his agony in the garden. Obtain for us strength and consolation in the unending struggles of this life. Help us to follow Christ constantly and generously, to be victors over all our difficulties, and to receive the crown of glory in heaven. Amen. Have you been donating to the Station of the Cross by a credit card that's recently expired? If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Users of iCatholic Radio are raving about our app in the iTunes and Google Play stores. One user says, It's exactly what I was looking for since having a closer walk with my Lord and my God. Great app for the living Catholic. Praise God. Nancy says, This is the best app. I have become a regular listener to it. I use it every day. I also play it all night long while we sleep. Get this app and use it. It will change your life for the better. Another user recommends iCatholic Radio, saying, So sweet a sound. This has allowed me to listen to Catholic Radio when I travel. What an awesome learning tool. Thank you. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, what are you waiting for? Visit your iTunes or Google Play store today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved. It's a wonderful to be with you. And we are right in the middle of an email from a gentleman named Sam from San Diego. I'm going to read that email again. Um, this is very, very important, beloved, uh, for all dating couples. He says, I'm currently in a relationship of six months with a beautiful woman, and we have been trying to commit our relationship to God to the best of our ability. So far, we have agreed to not kiss on the lips until, if God wills it, we get married. Lately, she has been having doubts about this commitment, and she wonders if it is hindering our ability to become closer to one another and to become emotionally intimate with one another. Now, I'm going to stop. Well, I'll I'll read the last sentence or two. I have expressed to her that I want to persevere in this discipline, but I think it is still on her mind. Do you have any advice on intimacy and dating that would help us to remain pure or any advice on kissing specifically? Thanks for taking the time. Yes, there is no place for intimacy and dating or for kissing. That's my advice. There is no place for it. Absolutely none. Um, You say that she wonders if it is hindering your ability to become closer to one another. Oh, yes, it is. And to become emotionally intimate with one another. Yes, it is hindering your ability. And that's what it's supposed to do. You're not supposed to be intimate in any way before marriage. Not in um, emotionally or physically or any other way. You're not supposed to be intimate. Uh, intimacy is for marriage, not for two people who have not been joined as one. Intimacy happens with marriage. And until marriage, you need to be men and women, a man and woman of character. And um, if your physical um, um, acts, kissing, hugging, all of that, if that is what is going to determine whether you should marry or not, then you should not marry. Because what is going to happen when things go um, awry? Uh, is As they do in every marriage, you have two sinful human beings, no matter how good your intent, living together. And you're going to have problems. And you're going to work them through. And you're going to be saints. But you're not always going to feel like kissing and hugging. What do you do then? Then you have nothing left? No, no, no. You, to be intimate in a dating relationship in any way, is to ask for trouble. Is to ask for trouble. People get married, and it's basically a nice celebration. It's rarely anymore what marriage should be. Two people who don't know each other intimately in any way but who have uh, been with each other. They've courted. I like the word courting rather than dating. They've courted. They've learned of one another's likes and dislikes, a degree of spirituality, um, love for family, a moral stance, a holy life. You've learned of all of that. And you don't learn of anything else until you are married. Nothing else. Otherwise, you've kind of tried everything out to see if you really want to. You see, and how do people slip up? How do they eventually get intimate? Because they begin by just kissing or just holding or just doing this, wanting to be closer. And then somebody slips. 
I've I've known of a number of occasions where it's the woman's fault, not the man, because she needs says needs that intimacy and it destroys a relationship and anyone intimate before marriage should never be married. It will not work. They will have tremendous problems during marriage. So uh, I would say to her, intimacy is not for the courting relationship. Um, You don't want to become any more emotionally. If you can't become emotionally intimate by abstaining and respecting one another, then the other is going to be a degradation for you. Uh, There's a book that I read in my Protestant years, and it's Protestant. It's by a very uh, magnificent woman, Elizabeth Elliot. Um, And I'm going to recommend it to you. Uh, You'll understand it's Protestant, so it won't speak of our Blessed Mother. It won't speak of the the, uh, sacraments and all. But the title is Passion and Purity. These two uh, men and women, they met in college, and they wouldn't even, not only did they not... Uh, I don't even know if they held hands. Um, And she would say to a man, don't you dare tell a woman you love her until you're ready to propose. Whether you love her or not is your business, but keep it to yourself unless you're ready to propose to her. That's the only time when you ask her to marry you, you can tell her that you love her. Outside of that, it's selfish. So what that you love her? If you're not ready to make a commitment, keep it to yourself. This is a fantastic book called Passion and Purity by Elizabeth Elliot, and I recommend it to you. Dan, don't, you, you hold your stand. You persevere in this commitment. And if she will not, then this is a woman God is showing you is going to be problematic in the marriage. Um, she needs to be mature. And if she doesn't have the maturity, if you can help her, that's all right. But if you cannot, do not give in. We have an email from Catherine. Peace be with you, Mother. I have a question that is causing me a great deal of anguish. We just moved to a college town. There is only there are only two Catholic Novus Ordo parishes here. We are traditional Catholics. How can I stay spiritually strong attending a Mass that is so different from what we are used to, I don't want to offend any Novus Ordo Church attendees, as I know many devout and holy ones. Now, of course, you don't have to offend anyone. You don't need to talk to them about anything. You need to, if you're there, you need to respect what they're doing. Uh, so, no, you don't. You don't offend anybody. You don't complain. You don't correct. You just, if you're there, that's your choice. She says, I feel scrupulosity, despair, and isolation creeping at the back door and trying hard to stay hopeful for my family. Thank you and God bless. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Well, Catherine, you said nothing here about your husband, which is a little troubling um, that you say, we are true. How can I say spiritually strong? Um, you don't say, you say, we are attending, but I don't know if you have a husband at home with you, if he feels the same way as you. You're speaking in in a singular uh, person. Um, So I would would hope you could either call in, Catherine, or write a more complete email. I don't know why you moved to a college town with two Novus Ordo parishes. I don't know why you did that. 
maybe your husband has a job teaching there. I don't know. But the first thing for a Catholic family, especially a traditional Catholic family, would be to find out what what traditional churches are within reasonable driving distance from where you want to move. Um, and if you send your children to school, Catholic schools, if you homeschool them, great. <clears throat> to me, that would be the number one requirement for moving, not that you move to a town and then find there's only two Novus Ordo parishes. That that would be an amazing uh, um, order of events. So I don't know why you moved to that town. I don't know why you did that. I don't know how close the closest uh, traditional parish is. Uh, I don't know what your husband thinks about it. I don't know why you're there. My first instinct is to tell you to get up and move. That's my first instinct. Better for your husband to travel an hour to work if he has to than for you to raise your family in those two parishes. I'm not speaking about Novus Ordo Mass or anything in general. I'm responding to your particular email. You're traditional Catholics. You're suffering. I don't know why you're suffering. So my thought is pack up and move. That's my thought. And if you cannot then uh, wear your veils, uh, be as holy as you can at church, don't get very involved in that parish. You can attend a parish, you can attend daily mass. If there's a, a traditional Catholic parish two hours away, I'd say go to it on Sunday. Take your whole family at the parish we attend here, us, our little community, our religious community. There are families that come from Arkansas to Tulsa. They come across state, they travel two hours, and they make it a daily outing on Sunday with the family because they have no traditional parishes near them. So I would say if you could find a traditional parish, even within a two-hour drive or so, make it a Sunday outing every Sunday for your family. It'll be a wonderful time for you to speak together, sing together, listen to Catholic tapes together, all kinds of things. Make it a picnic day and travel to that parish. During the week, you can go to the Novus Ordo. Again, most Novus, Novus Ordo parishes during the week, there's very few people there. You go to a, a morning mass, it's usually quiet, usually not problematic, um, and uh, not as bad as Sunday, no music, and that might be a solution for you. And don't get involved in the parish. Just go. Be friendly be open, and if people say, why don't you join this, join that, do this for us, and say, you know what, um, we're, we're, uh, we're just not able to do that at this time, and try not to tell them why, um, and say, we're, we're really teaching our children at home, and we need to be home. So do whatever you can to not criticize, but, but to teach your family the traditional. You can get, uh, I don't know how young your children are, but there's a um, there's a 15 volume fantastic um, uh, set by Dom Garanger on the liturgical year. That's fantastic. If your children are smaller, uh, I recommend Dr. Pius Parsh, P A R S C H, doctor, not a priest. It's, it's a five volume uh, book, a five volume set, and it's called I think it's called The Year in Grace. I think. It's out of print, but you can go to um, 
Looms Theological Booksellers, Abe's, A-B-E, um, Used Books, um, I'm forgetting other ones, but there are good, good. We got our set from a, a used bookseller online. And then read it at home. Read it every day to your family. All right. We have an email from someone who writes in and says, Anonymous, hello, mother. I am a Catholic man, and my fiancé is Vietnamese. I first met her and dated her while I was a lapsed Catholic, but now I am going to church and going to confession. Good. I pray the rosary daily, and so does my fiancé, who is not Catholic, but interested in raising our children Catholic and is very likely to convert. Now, you haven't said whether you have children yet. So I'm guessing, my first guess is that if you marry, she would be interested in raising your children Catholic. That's my guess there. She goes to church every Sunday, and I am teaching her the faith a little at a time, so it's organic for her. I pray often for her conversion to Our Lady of Sorrows. Should I pray the rosary with her? Of course. It's a wonderful thing. I don't know what her faith is, but... Jesus is her Savior. He's the only Savior, and Mary is her mother. She's the only mother of our Savior, and she's our mother. Absolutely. Should I wait until the official baptism? No, you can pray with her now. That's a wonderful thing. And ask to pray to pray it for her conversion, for her faith. And when you say the official baptism, again, I always get hiccups toward the end of the program. Um... Let's see, should I wait until the official baptism? Again, I'm, I'm assuming you mean her baptism if she enters the church. No, excuse me, pray it now. Um, there's a brother out there who told me when I have hiccups to take a little bit of sugar, and I haven't done that. Excuse me, I need to keep a bowl with me. Oh, pray for me. Somebody out there, say, dear Lord, help mother stop hiccuping. Um, I refrain from praying with her because I am afraid of her staying outside the faith. Oh, I see what you mean. We do not live together and will not. Very good. Any advice? Yes. Number one, um, praying the rosary with her is a good thing. Is a good thing. And pray the 54-day rosary specifically for the intention. Let it be her request that our Lord shows her the truth of the Catholic Church and opens her heart to believe. Let that be her request, not both of your requests. Excuse me, but her request. Pray that 54-day novena with her or without her. Either way is the rosary. That's fine. Don't pray outside of that. She can go to church, um, but um, uh, keep, keep, if she doesn't become Catholic, it's not time for you to marry. Okay, God, God bless you, and we'll see you all on Monday. Hope you had a good July 4th. God bless you. Mm-hmm.